0: what is up guys this is louis munoz and i'm with whoa whoa whoa
1: whoa (laughs) whoa! what is
0: this what is this
1: you're you're stealing my spot bro come on
0: hey i have to bro
1: okay i guess i guess this is this is danny ramos i'm not i'm not too excited about this intro (laughs) (laughs) go ahead louis take it away
0: and we have a special guest uh emelisa meja Mejía, oh Mejia. my God, <laughs> <No>. hombre! <laughs> let me
1: rec- do, let me do some. J- I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Emelisa Mejías.
2: <laughs> Mejía,
1: you got Emelisa it wrong too. No? <laughs> I. It's not, it's not multiple. It's not multiple Emelisas Mejías. It's Emelisa Mejía.
0: primero. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> married to my good friend Jonathan O'Brien. So, I should have just went with Emelisa O'Brien.
3: Yes. Technically. Dash. <laughs> yes.
1: Mejia.
0: Porque padre tiene.
3: <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> yes. Hola,
0: Emelisa. ¿Cómo estás? <laughs> <laughs> I threw you guys off with that one. Yeah,
3: yeah, Well, yeah, that's yeah. the first time I hear you speak Spanish, <laughs> but I am. Estoy bien, gracias. Mm.
0: <laughs> so, that's all I got. That's all I got for this episode. You get the people that are listening you get one phrase in Spanish from me per episode <laughs> at least for now we'll yeah, move up to up it to
3: that name yeah, yeah. <laughs> go from Luis to Luis <laughs> Yes, right
0: <laughs> it'll be Luis Munoz from now on yes but Emelisa, yes. it's so great uh to finally have you on the podcast we've been talking about this for maybe about I don't know a month Um more yeah more. probably more, more than that Um and uh so we're glad that it finally came about um <coughs> So before we get started, why don't we start off with um, just tell us something about uh, yourself, kind of like you're coming to faith. How did you come to faith and um, um, yeah, how did that come about?
3: Deep question. Um, yeah, so I grew up in Honduras for uh, 15 years of my life. So growing up there, I grew up with two wonderful Christian parents who were first generation Christians. Uh, with a Catholic background, so i uh, very involved in the church, heard the gospel probably like a hundred times before I was five mm. learned how to say John 316 in both English and Spanish by the time I was five <laughs> so I went to bilingual school by the way that's how I know English um, mm. and so yeah so very heavily influenced my dad was not didn't just teach me the gospel in words, taught me the gospel through his actions and Yeah. So there's that. But I think as a person who grew up in the faith and in a church, there's still that understanding that relationship with God is a really hard thing to comprehend, especially when I labeled myself as the black sheep of the family. Mm -hmm. So I think there was a lot of shame and anger towards myself and others that I was wrestling from a very young age, I would say like almost probably like six years old. Um, I knew there was, like, emotional conflict in there that at the time I didn't understand. Um, uh, So, yeah, so that led me to a very down path, even though I could, I knew how to live the Christian life, per se, in front of everybody, like, nobody really knew what was going on internally in my Mm. life. But several times I denied the Lord and was like, nope, like, he wouldn't love me. Like, Mm. he will love my sister, because she's great. She's like a jar of honey. Always been. I pulled her hair, she told me she loved me. I was like, come (laughs) on, give me some. But yeah, no, so obviously, like, that led to, like, me having a lot of guilt and shame and just really didn't feel like I was lovable, even though I heard it from my parents. Mm. Um, So when, by the time I was, like, 9 years old, I was already dealing with thoughts of suicide and just how life would be better without me, Mm. for the sake of my family, for the sake of others. Um, and never really shared anything about those struggles to anybody really. I came to, really to a deep understanding of the gospel around the age 14 when I was like basically this is it I'm calling quits on life and I remember hearing this little like this little itch in my mind of just like hey open your Bible I'm like nah open your Bible so I opened the Bible to John 3:16, and I'm like great I know this verse like mm-hmm. what's up with this and my dad used to always share the gospel with people and I would always hear him say, you know, instead of the word world, put your name in it, make it personal. And so, I don't know, I just began to say it out loud, for God so loved Emelisa that he gave his one and only son that if Emelisa believes in him, will not perish but have everlasting mm-hmm. life. And, and this is like a moment that only God can create where like I finally just understood that I was loved. Mm-hmm. Like... I was loved despite me wanting to just take my life. I was loved despite my shame. I was loved despite my anger and my lack of understanding of self. Um, That in the midst of my confusion, I was just loved in it. And it was an overwhelming feeling. I said, well, okay, like all I know is I'm loved. So I'm going to surrender to this love. So I surrendered my life to Christ. All I knew is I was a changed child. Like right after that, I... Went to like I understood why I wanted to be with like I just wanted to be with the body of Christ and I didn't understand it at the time as a young believer, but I knew the verses because of Awana and like but all these yeah. verses just made sense just like John 3:16 and then from there God just kind of put a big fire. I mean I didn't see my life past 16, 18 years old, and I just celebrated 27 on Friday. Wow. Mm. Um, and I'm just like God like this is a gift because I never saw my life from there. And all I knew. From there was i want to share hope to people like me and yeah god has been taking me on a journey of what that means for my life the past what like 16 years hmm. yeah i mean less than that
2: you i can't do math i can't were, do math yeah, let's
3: do
1: math <laughs> We're I'm, I'm bad at math too give me a second you were 14. you just celebrated your 27th twenty ten birthday right 13. yes so there you go
3: yes thank you i was like 12 13. <laughs>
1: You had to. You had to. You had to. Clap, you had to cut me off when I was doing. When I was doing slow math in my mind.
0: I in my head I was like. This when I was is, doing
1: palitos in my cabeza. This is,
0: this is how I counteract my my lack of Spanish. You know. I was like, I'll show them now. Yeah. Uh, no, but one thing that um, um, I loved what you said, right? That thing of being known that you're loved by, uh, by God. Um, and for myself, uh, the listeners probably don't um. Um, at least our normal listeners this they're new to uh Lisa, so you guys can't you guys don't understand the um the weight that's behind that for myself like hearing that because with that um i think one thing that uh, how we got to know each other um is uh Lisa you work for inner city impact uh, yeah. in cicero as the high school coordinator um and that was a job that before that i was just kind of sitting in, uh, holding the spot uh, for a little bit, as um, our good friend Jordan Ryan uh, had that before. Um, But one thing that I think I'm gleaming in that reality is um, me and Danny have mentioned it multiple times that those that know that they're loved by God, um, the dispense of love comes naturally. Um, And that's something that I see you with uh, the kids at, at... ICI and Cicero, you just show the love of, of, of Christ to them. Um, so speak unto that a little bit. Um, um, how did you come about, uh, cause I know you, even though you, um, came after me as it pertains to staff, you were there well before me when it was with volunteering and stuff. So yeah. what is kind of your working in ICI and let's, let's kind of hear, um, Where you get your hands dirty in ministry? Let's hear that.
3: (laughs) Where I get my hands dirty. Um, Yeah, so I I was actually, yeah. So just how I ended up in the U.S. was my parents became missionaries to Texas, working with um, Hispanic immigrants. And so then finished high school there, went to paramedic school. Then I was like, you know what? I want to share the gospel. Like Hmm. more than just being at the end of people's lives, I want to share the gospel before they come to that end. Hmm. And so I went to Moody, I applied to Moody, um, went to Moody in my first year. I got assigned to go to my do my practical Christian ministry with inner city impact in Cicero before I even became high school club. So I was in the Mm. middle school, high school club, which was like Mm. only like two kids were like high schoolers and the rest were middle schoolers. So yeah, it was an interesting turn of events because I I did my first year 2013 to 2014. volunteering got to know a lot of the kids that ended up being my seniors the year that I came in to work officially as staff so it was like I don't know it was interesting how things turned out I never saw it coming but yeah I'm it's been a pleasure it's been a joy it's been also super hard Mm -hmm. (laughs) just learning to get your hands dirty really (laughs) like in, in in even as like understanding that I have my limits of understanding people because that can only be done by god but also trusting that he can work through those barriers that i can't jump through only he can open those up so it's been it's been a really um personally it's been a lot of work from trying to get to ask god give me that heart that you have for these kids because it cannot be manufactured he has to do it Hmm.
0: yeah that is really good um and that thing too i think um being in inner city impact, um, especially so, both of us are Ciceronians, right? We live in Cicero. Quack, <laughs> wack, wack. Um,
1: I didn't know Cicero was a town <laughs> until I met You're Louis. You're
3: missing out. You're missing out. I'll be
1: honest with you. I didn't know it was a town until I met Louis because <laughs> I used to live on Cicero and Roscoe, Cicero, the street. Mm. So when people used to say Cicero, Cicero, this, Cicero, that, I always thought they were talking about. Cicero the street I was like that's I live around there like I don't see any of these things you guys are talking about
3: it's such a quirky town that's all I gotta say
0: it is Um, and with that too um, I think um, well there's a couple of things I want to talk to you about concerning Cicero um, because as you know my heart for Cicero is is pretty heavy and most of the listeners know that as well and um, but one thing that I think that is such a joy uh, for yourself is um you're someone who the world can look at and say like man emily Lisa's displaced right she she moved she relocated to houston um right it was houston texas right mm. or texas yeah, it's
3: like a small town really you passed and you blink i mean you blinked and you passed the town but yeah. yes close to houston yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: So, like, being in Texas um, and then relocating to Chicago and then now being in Cicero, um, and your home is in Honduras. um, So is that, yeah, I'm sure that comes with a lot of challenges. Um, So for yourself, if you can speak unto that, um, but then also, too, how does that uh, shift, too, with um, a lot of the people in Cicero are also... Um, mm. people that are undocumented or from, um, Mexico or various parts of, uh, the world, um, specifically Mexico. Yeah. Um, how do you see also that common ground of seeing that, um, that issue of home?
2: Mm.
3: Yeah, I think that has been like probably one of the hardest struggles of the past, what is it, like 11 years now in the States? Um just knowing because i immediately came when i was 15 so teenager middle school and the loneliness was like literally from one from mm-hmm. one day to another like i just knew i was no longer gonna be known like like i was also at my prime of like i, I don't know if i like at my prime but like that time <laughs> of my life when i left honduras is when i was like very involved at church very involved in a uh, youth group just involved in so much evangelism and things like that and to leave that and be uprooted so quickly mm-hmm. um, has been something that I've still had to wrestle with the Lord because it's like he knew why he did it and I came to serve with my parents and, and all that stuff and it, it's I've seen so much greatness in that but also a lot of hardships of knowing that I don't feel understood. I Every circle that I go, even if I talk to Hispanics, the majority I've haven't been in a place where I've seen other Hondurans like even though I know there's Hondurans around in the US God hasn't put me in a place Mm. where there's people that even have commonalities of culture Um, because even when I came to Texas it was like a lot of um, Mexican population I have never met Mexicans until I came to the States Mm. so even understanding that even though we speak similar language I would Mm. say We still very speak it very differently we have very different cultures and then the expectations and the stereotypes that were placed on me while people didn't just they heard me speak spanish you automatically labeled me as something and then trying to be like but yeah that's not me like you eat you eat all spicy foods i'm like (laughs) no we actually don't eat spicy foods Mm -hmm. Um, and especially in the place where i grew up like highly african descent and foods that are like Coconut milk, yuca, platano, mm. like you know. <laughs> <laughs> mm, now you speaking my language? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's so. But with that, that was, I think it's like just that struggle of like, man, like, where, where do I belong? And so mm. even coming to Chicago and being in a high, like, Moody, believe it or not, has a lot of um, international students. I would say than most other schools that I've been to, uh, and even there, I found myself being the only Honduran. Mm. then I come to Cicero and it's a great full Mexican community right and wherever I go I can speak Spanish but even then there's something always Mm. that reminds me I don't belong I am not from here and Mm. I am not understood and so I think with that just my dad always used to preach on um always something he always so for I say him in the past tense because he passed away about three years ago Four years, no, three years ago. Okay, I gotta do my math better. So, Mm. three years ago, but he he influenced me a lot in seeing everything from the kingdom eyes. Mm. Even from the moment I learned English, he always said, M, you're not gonna learn English just because, like, a lot of Hispanic parents are like, you gotta get that degree and get us out of this, like, you know, like, make it better in life. He always, like, from when I was little, like, super early on, because I started in pre K to go to bilingual school, said, You're gonna learn English because God's going to use that for you to share the gospel with hmm. in a different language to other people. So I, I see that privilege when I'm here in Cicero and I am able to share the gospel to kids who only speak Spanish, to only kids that only speak English or to parents. But I understand the loneliness of leaving a home, a place where you felt known, a place... Um, that you still yearn for because you've felt obligated to leave it so I understand and that allows me I think in many ways to see where I thank God for my experience but it also goes and and also not but but and it's also been a struggle because even though it's a big blessing and I see it it's Mm. also the struggle like personally the loneliness is real the um the desire to be known and understood is there and I went to Honduras with Okay, I'm horrible with dates and times, but anyway, I went to Honduras about a couple of years ago, and even going back for the first time after six years, and I realized like I even coming back home, I don't feel like I belong because mm-hmm. I've experienced something different, and and I don't know how to, I don't know how to explain it, or put it into words, and this is where like, the comfort of God of knowing that one day. My heart is not going to be torn into pieces mm. in different places. One day, I'm going to be able to find a home where one, now that my father is in heaven, like, I'll see him there. Sorry, I still get emotional. Mm. Okay. And is it's, it's a home where you don't struggle to belong. Mm. It, it's a huge struggle in my life, but it's one that I think in many ways, um, there's the hope for an immigrant like me and for many others that we know what it's like to be removed from a place where you felt hmm. like you belonged. But knowing that there's even a better place because l- life experiences change you and the older you become that you know it's never going to be the same, it, it never is um, s- static, it always is moving. Um, and so, yeah, knowing that heaven is going to be that, like the kingdom of God is going to be where our hearts are going to be but back together, whether it's different places, different people, different cultures, you know, having traveled to different countries, man, hmm. they take a piece of my heart. I leave a piece of my heart there. And one day that heart will be reunited again and when, hmm. when I'm with the, the people that I love. And that's, I mean, for me, that's a great hope that I have.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's something that... Um even in listening to, um, now with, with life the way it is, um, me and yourself, we, uh, there was a time where we saw each other every week, right? Um, and, uh, now this was the first time in quite a while we embraced each other, said, Hey, how's it going? Caught up a little bit. Um, um, but near the time, uh, when your father passed away was a time where I was more readily, uh, around you and, and being able to hear, um, some of the testaments unto your father that you would share. Um, it really did uh, bless my heart to hear, um, as well as you sharing them. Um, so even now we thank you for you know, opening your heart like that and um, and even in continuing. Um, but one thing I know that uh, even as you were sharing, um, the legacy of love, um, not only that is in yourself, but in, in your, your father and your mother. Um, and... The one and your husband. Um, that dude's a loving guy. <laughs> <You> <laughs> um, can don't leave that. Jonathan out yeah. of this. I got you, Jonathan. There you go. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you can say he's loving. He's yeah. <laughs> uh, kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> he is.
0: But one thing that um, I think is something that um, is also really big in, in our community right now, um, especially, uh, I want to say, maybe two or three weeks ago with uh, all the riots that were taking yeah. place and. Um, leaving two young men in our community that died because of those riots. Um, And the up in arms, uh, the language was, you know, Mexican against black. Right. And um, as yourself, you know, kind of seeing that as um, the one thing that I realized uh, early on, even right away after uh, you took over as the high school director our coordinator was that uh, more and more um, African Americans were coming um, and it was kind of like it was like seeing this mixture um, uh, and by more and more I mean like maybe two or three um, which when I was there there wasn't a lot or there was maybe one or two um, if that um, but that was the thing that so kind of sharing with that like seeing you from a different culture um seeing different cultures begin to mix um but then more than that like um speaking to kind of like how uh, yeah the love of neighbor in that right mm. um like how how do you how do you as someone who is you know kind of with the feeling of on the outside looking in uh into these cultures um where has the struggles been in that, in loving your neighbor mm-hmm. well? Um, but then also, um, where have you seen that love manifested in the young people? Um, because that's the one thing that I see is, though the narrative was, in Cicero at least by itself, was white oh. against black, yeah. um, that's not the narrative that I saw played out um, in normal discussions sometimes with people. Um, yeah. So, yeah, speak to that. Hmm. if you can.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think it's such, like loving your neighbor is such a hard concept because I think it's easy for me to think of love browns and love blacks in many ways. Um, I grew up in a, a lot of like African descent people, um, the Garifunas, and some other uh, um, black people too. And then myself brown. So that was kind of like my everyday life for mm. 15 years of my life. Yeah. So then, So for me, it was not that wasn't a huge struggle. I know, however, I will recognize that there was a lot of colorism and a lot of stuff within Hispanic culture, so calling that out off the bat. Mm. Uh, so I know there are issues within that, but there is n- we don't have the same history, I would say, in my country like there is in the U.S. Um, mm. When I came to the States, uh, one of the things is I ran into a lot, a lot of racism, I would say, um, coming from the white community. Um, and not and in many ways, I'm still processing what that looks like. But I've, I found myself like understanding that loving your neighbor is sometimes easy for me with people that are like me, even if it's a different color. Mm. But loving your neighbor from the ones that have hurt you, that is, is, is one that I'm still trying to process and how to figure out. And in many ways, God is teaching me a lot of redemption because my husband mm. is white. Mm. So, <laughs> so God is also teaching me a lot about... Um, unity within the body of Christ. And I think this is where my heart is a lot of times is when, when we see that in the scriptures, we've seen believers like Peter and that they've struggled with cultural and loving their neighbor with people that are mm. different. And God has to actually like really work on his heart to be like, yes, they can be saved. And yes, they don't have to do the same things that you're doing. Mm. Um, and so like in that sense, I think we all have that neighbor that is hard to and I think this is where we see the beauty of the gospel because in and out of ourselves there's not a desire but we know that that's a process that God wants to take us to love and so for me I have a deep love I would say for the outcast that society would consider outcasts so that comes easy to me because I've considered myself an outcast and I know the deep love of Jesus and what he has for them but also like God has also been teaching me a lot about in this time like what about the ones that you struggle with Mm. like because we and then i think we all if we examine ourselves we have that one that we struggle with like whatever culture it may be or it doesn't have to be race um so yeah i think that that has been for me like even within the kids that i work with it's like which one is the one that i'm struggling because we Mm. i mean let's be honest working with youth (laughs) there's gonna be some of them that's gonna like lord give me i'm gonna be like elisha give me a double dose mm-hmm. um, of your spirit to help and 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 i think that's um that's where i see the gospel being manifested for me it's like man like i need i need your love
2: mm.
3: help me see them how you see them it's, and i know when the moment where i'm i'm feeling like like i'm hitting that wall as i know it's like this is where exactly where where i need to humble myself and recognize like I need his love like I can't manufacture love he is love and I need him to flow out of me like mm. in this moment and put myself aside um, how I've seen it with, I think the kids that I've worked with uh, they have a high empathy level more than they even give themselves credit for um, because from what I've seen even from the three years that I've worked with ICI it's been as soon as one kid shares a, his heart the kids listen to listen to each other and I've witnessed so many beautiful times where I've seen them just even lift each other up encourage one another as soon as they share each other's heart they, they treat it with such care and I think that speaks from the things that they've gone through and how they want to be treated so I, I think right now what is going on within the racial problems that we're seeing I think a lot of these kids are tuning in to that empathy of who they are and I think as older believers we need to also like like encourage that like you know they may not necessarily display it in the best way at times but they're listening and they want to care for each other and they're going to do it the best way they know how but I think in that we should model a little bit more of like instead of trying to like extinguish that fire that desire to seek justice that desire because that is so close to the heart of God is how can we how can we model that? And that is like what I care about as their leader is to encourage that in them because it's God given. It's mm-hmm. God given. And and walk alongside of them. And um and because it's what their like their heart is very close to God's heart, but how can we bring that together? It's like, yeah, like he can teach you how to do that. He can allow your anger to be in a way righteous and apply it well. Mm-hmm. because I think I grew up as a kid thinking that anger was bad and I think that's one of the reasons why I was angry at myself because I was angry mm-hmm. and so it's like how do you erase <laughs> that but it's like you don't have to erase anger is admitting it and, and understanding that if I feel it God feels it a hundred times more even mm-hmm. more than that you know So it, it, but yet he knows how to perfectly be angry and I don't and he knows how to perfectly love even in anger, and and that, and I don't know how. And he's, uh, I'm learning how to do that, especially with people, not just with the race, but with with just everyday people, people that I need to go back to in my life, and just not necessarily have to be best friends again, but like forgive, release, mm-hmm. and 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 actually pray blessings over.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's um. Yeah, it's it's so interesting you shared that uh, because even when you look right through the the narrative of scripture and you see uh, people that uh, the forefathers of the faith um, and they struggle with all these things as well um, yep. and that's something that um, I think segues right into the next thing I wanted to ask you as well with um, kind of ministering to, to young people I think more than anything um, I have the privilege of, of working with the church right in Oak Park uh, and ministering to people on Zoom Uh, has been really tough. Um, So I wonder what that feels like for, uh, you know, youth. Um, I know one thing that that you implemented um, kind of early on into it, I think it was a continuation of a series you guys were doing at Inner City Impact was kind of going through the um, kind of like character studies of Mm -hmm. of each person, um, uh, like people of the Bible. Um, Yeah, speak to that. Um, I actually, half of that I want to, to hear how has that series been going, or if it's wrapped up, or anything like that? Because um, that I just when I read that I was like, oh, that's so cool. Um, but then also too, how does that how does that work with Zoom and?
3: Oh yeah, it's been it's been hard. I think for anybody that's been working with you, <laughs> trying to do Zoom with you has been hard. <laughs> but it's been great because I think in any other in other ways, it's allowed me to see a different um, hmm. even dimension of what we can do and how to reach kids and and also it's just some people will feel comfortable doing it. There's also I've seen just a commitment level of some kids that I wouldn't normally see if we would just continue with the normal routine so there's there's big challenges and there's also been the blessing is also me I've learned to do uh prepare better for lessons (laughs) try to make them from 10 to 15 minutes to 10 minutes to five minutes right now (laughs) to try to like not lose their attention um and then learn I think in many ways yeah we did the for a whole year we did a school year we did characters of the Bible and just seeing how God used ordinary people for extraordinary purposes for greater purposes than they could have even imagined. Um, but they're like, like, you know, from A- like Adam to like all the way to the lineage of Jesus went through lineage of Jesus. Also just other characters of the Bible. And yeah, it, it was, I think in many ways it was helpful for me as their leader to be reminded of when I come short, mm. short of, what I can do is just, we have a greater, bigger God that worked through um, wrestlings of faith, doubts, doubtful people, people who are just like playing, like made big mistakes and suffer big consequences from it. But yet God still used them. Hmm. So there's that, that was that hope for me as I was teaching it to the kids. It's like, okay, even if I don't teach this lesson super great (laughs) and don't say the exact words that I would have planned to say, God, God has huge control over that. Um, So that went well, I think for the most part kids Mm. were very responsive to just understanding that that we don't have to have it all together to be loved by God, to be accepted and be used even if we know God that we're going to continue to mess up and He somehow has a greater vision that we have of ourselves and and how and what part we play in Mm. in His kingdom. so that was the goal and the vision behind that series. Right now, we I've been doing more Beatitudes, um, and what does that look like uh, for mm-hmm. both an, a believer and an unbeliever? Um, so it, it's been it's been a good challenge, I think, for for me and the kids to just short one 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 verse at a time, sit on it, let's think about what that looks like in our lives. Uh, but yeah, yeah, the characters of the Bible, I would say, has been a joy to do as a leader i think of most people that teach lessons know that you get more out of it than sometimes the audience mm-hmm. but it's been uh it's been cool to have gone through a year of just studying character, seeing both their their greatness their hum- humility and also their flaws mm-hmm. and where they failed uh and like even teaching jonah and just knowing that dude <laughs> that dude was really trying not to <laughs> be used by god <laughs> yeah. you know and, and and then like that unforgiveness and and it doesn't have a pretty bow at the end of it mm. like we don't know what happened to his heart at the end of it like did he yeah. really change we don't know and then but yet what does like what does that look like in our lives so i think it's good um to be reminded that the bible is highly inspired by god yet is also being used by people that are not that different than us
0: mm. And I think one thing that um, also, too, as you were speaking, um, <laughs> there's, there needs to be, for the people that are listening, um, and even a good reminder for me and Daniel while we pray for Emilysa, uh, uh in our quiet time, is one thing that we may not know, Lisa's title is high school coordinator, um, but there are also um, 18 to 21-year-olds that come her way that uh, sometimes... <sighs> Uh, give her some headaches as well, I'm sure. Um, yeah, how has, how has that, uh, that been like? Because for you, it's a different, um, like you were once a PCM or a Practical Christian yeah. Ministry with Moody. And now you have the privilege of um, overseeing um, a handful of them as they come help you. Um, you kind of see it on both spectrums, right? Like not only were you once there, uh, but now you're overseeing them. Um, how has that challenge been? in the sense of caring for people that are uh in all senses of the word word like excited for ministry um Mm -hmm. but i know too maybe um as it pertains to the trials and the dirty hands of ministry um it's not as they're not as engrossed in it right and coming to a place like cicero and seeing the kids and hearing their hurts and their struggles and their shortcomings um and seeing that, um, how have you been able to kind of facilitate that and say, okay, let me care for them as well?
3: Yeah, I think so. When I was at Moody, I was an RA and I had a shout out to Smith five. If Uh anybody from Moody's listening, um, or if it's a girl, (laughs) (laughs) home of the peacocks. Um, Yeah. So I was an RA for two years and Mm -hmm. I think it, it was actually the desire to be an RA came out of a desire to learn how to love the church. Because hmm. I think it's so easy for me sometimes to love the unbeliever because I resonate so intensely with it. But yet, like when I was at Moody, and I think most Moody students have gone through this, it's like, man, we realized quickly that like, you had an expectation of what a Bible institute would look like and what Christians would look like. And then you we're, you're quickly disappointed. Hmm. And how do you deal with that? And so for me, it was like either I go and move out <laughs> and like yeah. get dirty in the city or and, and, but yet my heart was also, but I think God also wants me to learn how to specifically love the church. Um... And it came out of like a professor that said you know like if she retired already but she said it in my freshman year is like you know if, if, if jesus is not throwing a stone at the church who are we to do that then hmm. and so it was very humbling for me to hear that and came and so being an RA came out of the out of that prayer of lord teach me how to love your church and it was a blessing a huge blessing a humbling blessing to serve 39 girls <laughs> in that dorm and it was Mm. and this is where I learned uh, that I have a deep love for like 18 to 21 year olds <laughs> so those like just came out of high school um, and so that love also has come out like as I work at ICI and I um, come mm. alongside these volunteers that a lot of times is there is there assignment to mm. come um, but I, I do think it's like learning to if I see the beauty of these kids and what God is doing even if it gets really hard but I it's a, i think it's a matter of how of i, I care about them and what they how they're going to know god in this through this but it also requires me stepping aside and be like, they also have needs. They're also students student. I remember wow. when I was a student, <laughs> like yeah. how broke, how <laughs> well, still am, but, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but just how intense also like theological studies are. So I just being reminded that I was once in their shoes and there's, there's a lot of stuff that you're juggling while also trying to figure out yourself. And all of a sudden life is just coming at you and, and all your past experiences are coming at you. So right. for me, it's been more of a, I have had more of a heart of caring for them and, um, praying, um, making sure I'm having those conversations with them, see where they're at, mm. and be, as a sister, come alongside of them. But then as a leader, I think in many ways um, share my heart and uh, and my heart for these kids and the things that God is teaching me as I'm as I'm trying to love these kids with His love. Um, I've I've honestly that has been probably one of my favorite things of working with ICI has been. Coming along alongside these uh, believers that are just uh, that are in college and trying Mm -hmm. and excited to do something with their lives for the Lord, so yeah, I think for me I see it as a privilege that I get to be just a small part, yet like hopefully be even in their time at Moody a blessing to be reminded that there's a purpose of why we're studying this that there is. It's so good to be reminded that there, uh, when rubber meets the road, you know, like it's not just theological in your Mm -hmm. head is, it's a practical theology. And how do we, we need to have Mm -hmm. that, that rubber meets the road moments because, um, it reminds us like, yeah, like a lot of times you're not going to know what you can explain faith to these kids like a hundred times and then you can do it in the most simplest language and the most high language. But either way, like we need that, um. We need the Lord to work through us and his spirit to move through us and, and, and into their lives. So, yeah, I think it has been actually one of my favorite parts is hmm. being able to work. Because I, I just remember myself a lot in those times. And just like, man, like how great it would have been <laughs> if I would have <laughs> had somebody in my life to walk through. I was a paramedic student when I was 18 to 20. Hmm. And, it, man, I saw people die all the time and all these things. And I didn't have anybody to just like cope with yeah, I like mm. carry these burdens with me and and then coming to Moody and trying to figure out how to like I have, I just went through some intense two years of my life and now I'm learning about all these intense doctrinal stuff and and mm. it's it's I think for me it's been like man like I gotta be reminded that both are important both are so important and, and I, I want to create that space. Uh, for the people that come volunteer that to find a family the family of Christ It's not gonna be like the perfect family, you know, but like that we can help each other and love each other and serve mm. alongside each other um, Well, I also understand that a lot of times a lot of people will just come and not get some not get much out of it But that's not in my control. So
0: yeah, man I love how I love how you put that right like the 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 walk with Christ um, uh sometimes it's uh it's either or right either you're just always getting your hands dirty or you're just always filling your head up with knowledge um and it's both right it has so. to be both um and i think the danger that uh, most of us see especially um is just sitting on a big old head of knowledge um and not going out there and getting your hands mm-hmm. hands dirty and doing the work of christ and Uh, that's something that is so real and so vivid because of what you just said what you were doing before you went to get your head full is you were seeing the dirtiness of the world um, and seeing death um, uh, on a regular occasion Um, and spiritually now you're seeing that Um, yeah and so man there's a there's so much more I want to say, but th- uh, Danny, is there anything you want to ask? Um, I don't want to, <laughs> I'm hijacking this No, hobby.
1: man, I'm good. I'm enjoying the interview, bro. Good. I'm here just for the, for the, for the, for what I think are the, um, oh my gosh, I forgot to speak English. <laughs> <laughs> say it in Spanish. For what I think are like the funny comments, but like, I know I'm not that funny, but I'm enjoying the, <laughs> I'm enjoying the conversation and just hearing uh, and Melissa uh, express herself and um yeah like uh i i share some of her sentiment you know um for when it comes to like the f- that feeling of belonging um and i, I don't want to say like the same as her because obviously she, she you know melissa has her own life i have my own life and she has her own experiences i have my own experiences and just because both of us are um latinos doesn't mean that uh, we both we both share the same experience, um, but I I can understand you know. Uh, at least at, at least at, at some level that that you know you, when you were talking about that you feel something that you don't belong here or there. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Louis, that means here, here or there. Um, <laughs> um, and then what you know what kept coming to mind was like um, Louis and I did an episode. One of our f- first episodes actually uh, that we still have to go back to <laughs> doing exposition was uh, we, we were doing exposition on first Peter and um, that first I think it's that first verse of that first chapter of First Peter that Peter talks about um, the, elect exi- uh, the elect exiles. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and he, he refers to them as pilgrims, right? Um, that they're not from here. They're actually from there, from. Let me say that again. They're They're not from here, where I'm writing to. You actually belong to this other province or whatever, but in reality, you belong to yeah. the uh, the residents of heaven. Mm. Um, and I think that it helps. You know, at least it's, at least in some level in our humanity, it helps. Um, us as in um, you, your case as an immigrant, right? Like um, uh, and in my case as someone as well who immigrated from um, Puerto Rico to the States, it um, uh, helps that when that feeling of, of non-belonging <laughs> creeps in our hearts, because there's a real feeling that creeps in, and I and I'm and I. I bet that for some people who have had it probably even harder than, than you and I, um, um, because you came through missionary work, but Mm -hmm. like some other people that haven't come through missionary work and come through other circumstances that, you know, some people may choose to turn a blind eye, but others know the realities of like coming into this country is not as easy. Mm -hmm. Um, but when those feelings do creep in, um, I've, I found it helpful to remind myself, that at the end of the day um that feeling of neither here or there i uh, guess crushed by the by the by the reality that like man i've been i've been bought i've been bought to another seat of citizenship <laughs> that is eternal Praise right God. um and like you said that it gives the hope of like i'm never going to be cast out mm-hmm. i'm never going to be thrown out so like for me, I know we talk, you talked about, like, Louie has a, asked a lot of questions. It's his fault, not your fault. <laughs> um, but, um, like, if I'm taking anything from all this interview and hearing your story and, you know, all that you've just shared here with us from your heart, like, um, my highlight has been that, like, man, that's, that's so true. And if I can be honest, I don't want to take over, but if I can be honest, like, sometimes it's easy to forget about the suffering and the hurt of other people just because you haven't gone through that same, you know, experience as they have. Um, And I say that because um, um, as a Latino person, um, the misconception that that because Puerto Ricans have a U.S. citizenship and are born into U- yeah. U.S. citizenship, right? There's that there's that misconception that like, um, um we probably don't have that that same um, feeling that other Hispanics or Latinos, you know, um, that are our brothers and sisters. And I can understand from a from an outside point of view how can how how can that be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, But one of the biggest culture shock for me, uh, moving to Chicago was, um, and I want to offend any of my Puerto Ricans that were born here (laughs) in the States, but one of the biggest culture uh, shock for me was that Puerto Ricans here, um, that are born and and raised in in the States, are are totally different Puerto Ricans than Puerto Ricans born and raised in Hmm. in the island and that that sense of like non-belonging becomes even more real because there's a there's even a uh
3: within your own people yeah culture you know yeah
1: yeah, and like like you were saying like being misunderstood i was like man that's so (laughs) that's (laughs) so real because (laughs) like i resonate with that because Mm -hmm. like even within puerto ricans (laughs) that are born here and there it it gets it gets a little bit messy because it's a different culture, it's a different understanding even of your culture and of your upbringing, so
0: yeah. Shout out to Humble Park, Puerto Rico. <laughs> I love you guys, <laughs> even though I've been
1: there only like five times in my whole lifetime. <laughs> but um, yeah, all I'm trying to say is like um, those are feelings that 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 we can't deny. Those are feelings that are that are real and that we have to address and we have to work through. Um, Amen. Um, even if we're uh, "quote unquote" living, even if we're living "quote unquote" the American dream and like everything is nice oh, in this right. side of, in this side of the of the of the yard, at the end of the day, we we it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where we are. We have a history, we have a background, we have a reality to our lives that that make us, make us who we are. And yeah. that's what makes you who you are, and Melissa, Amen. makes uh, Louis who he is. Uh, even though I'm pushing really hard for him to learn Spanish mm-hmm. and make some justice to his last name, Munoz, <laughs> um, it makes me who I am, right? And then at the end of the day, that wall of, us, that wall of hostility that you were talking about mm. um, um, falls, even within this table as we're sharing in this podcast, right? You're from Honduras, I'm from Puerto Rico, Louis is half Mexican, half white. And if we can see, uh, sit, you know, across this table and embrace each other as a brothers and sisters in Christ, um, and see beyond our mm-hmm. our differences in our culture and whatever, um, it speaks volumes to the reality of the gospel, of the work of the gospel in our lives, and how it should speak uh, a reality and truth in in high volumes of the work of the gospel mm-hmm. in a city as segregated. Chicago and what are we doing to make that happen yeah. that's, that's all I have to say
3: I think we have so much we, uh, my husband always says it shout out to my husband Jonathan um, <laughs> he always says like, you know we always have more in common with somebody from a different race but they know Jesus and we forget that like you know we have a stronger bond um, as believers and for me I mean like especially during this racial constant division I mean it's like no matter what like I mean the unity of of the body is so intensely linked to the gospel and and i think the reason that god even emphasized because it's not easy our differences are not easy to look Mm -hmm. past through and i think like you were saying it's like we have that hope that we can see that we have that commonality and i i mean my hope is that more people are going to share in the table of 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 the lord um yeah
0: Hmm. man and melissa there's uh so much more we can talk about (laughs) um with that being said um I think I speak well for, for um Danny too to say, Man, you gotta come back one day and uh, give us an update. Um but with that too, I think uh just one thing that I, I would um I would feel horrible not asking you before you take off, is there anything that uh, our listeners um can pray for you about? Um uh and and it doesn't have to be, you know, in the work that you're doing only, but just in anything, uh that mm-hmm um as you walk this this uh journey you go through ministry um even hearing what you said ministry has been something that has been a constant in your life thankful to um the work of your father and the work your mother continues as well um and yourself um and your husband uh is there anything that our listeners and ourselves uh can pray for you about Hmm. (laughs)
3: <laughs> Believe it or not, I wasn't prepared for that. Question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you know, like as we talked about the the feeling of belonging. i you know, part of me has resolved that there is till I see my Jesus, I'll know hmm. I'm home. <laughs> yeah, and I look, I look forward to that. But I, 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 you know, as an immigrant here, I do say like I, I am j- going through the legal processes right now um, with my husband and. I've been in this process for 11 years now, and in many mm-hmm. ways, it brings up a lot of anxiety and other things. So, I would covet prayers on just my own self to continuously be steadfast in my trust on the Lord, uh, and, and knowing that ultimately, I think I always have to remind myself is like ultimately, whether I end up in this country or not, I'm in the Lord's hands, and mm-hmm. He can do amazing things. Hence, what hap- how we ended up with the gospel all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, is not. I didn't even think about living in the U.S. when I was. Six years old. Uh, and funny joke is, I only thing I looked forward to coming to the States was because I wanted to have a locker. <laughs> wow. I never had a locker until <laughs> I came to this and it was not great. <laughs> and then I realized I love the Lord. Yeah. Um, and another thing I would say is just um, in this past year, I've been in a lot of restoration in that heart again of coming out of intense seasons of grief to like being again the Lord has restored that heart of, for me to like just heavily share the gospel with others and being reminded that God wants them at his table mm. um, and I want to share that table with them uh, making that room um, I think I would covet prayers for definitely just for the Lord to continue that restorative work in my heart um, because I a lot of times I'm the one that withholds a lot um, and so yeah just to be obedient uh, no matter what that looks like whether I it is me staying in Cicero for the long haul whether it's me mm. Somewhere else or just yeah, just plainly living day to day knowing that it's living before him
0: hmm. Well said yeah, I think um, uh, One thing that um, I hope you don't mind if I share this and if you do after I finish talking yeah. say strike this from the record. <laughs>
1: um, but I have a really I've been dying to ask this question, go for it. You said you're from Honduras, right? Yeah. I'm gonna ask it in Spanish before I ask it in English, just in case
3: you're
1: interested. I appreciate that Honduras. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Honduras. Um,
3: no. ¿Eso no. Es Honduras? No, es eso? No, eso es América. <laughs> okay, which by the way, Central America and South America, there's a difference. I don't know. At least in Honduras, it was like yeah. North America, Central America, South yes, America, yes. and then East More America. Okay. So anyway, but no, we do not eat I- guinea pigs. Okay, man. We've eaten iguanas, but not guinea pigs. Yeah,
1: they're like, in Puerto Rico. We were eating iguanas too. They were like over- overpopulated with iguanas, so we oh. had to eat them.
3: Yeah, in coconut milk, yum. Yes. All right. Um, water. Oh, yeah, going to water.
1: <laughs> well, Emelisa, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, guys. Um, it's been a blessing. <laughs> we will see you again because, yes, we will have you over again. Mm. Así que nada. Gracias de corazón. De corazón, gracias.
0: Gracias. Gracias. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, we will see you guys next week. Actually, after we drop off this episode of Emelisa, we decided that we we're going to drop off the episode on unconditional election, right? Yeah. Okay, so after you're done listening to Melissa. Next week, please prepare yourself to listen to (laughs) Unconditional Election, okay? God bless. Great
0: stuff. (laughs) Bye-bye.